Hi, this is Justin. If you want to make Christians feel pretty badly about themselves, ask them one of two questions. One, how's your prayer life? Two, how's evangelism going? Well, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about that second piece. For many of us, we tend to think that the only way to do evangelism is maybe through things like street preaching or handing out tracts or sharing the gospel with somebody we're sitting next to on the airplane. And while those are all legitimate things to do, that might not actually be the main way we do evangelism according to the New Testament. So John and I are going to try to encourage us all in our love of neighbor and in living in such a way that we would have opportunity to share the hope of Christ that we have within us. And then we're also going to think about, all right, when the opportunity arises to engage a non-believer, what do I say to all that and more in today's episode? We hope you're encouraged. Stay tuned. If you'd like to help support Theocast, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Plus, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join the conversation there. Thanks for listening. Do it. Do Welcome. It. <laughs> To Theocast. John's trying to pressure me. Do it. Into talking funny. We, we, we're kind of silly. As you guys know, we take the gospel pretty seriously. But That's we take right. ourselves pretty seriously. That's right. So I'm welcoming Shane. you to... Shane, I talk, Shane. Um, on the real, I'm welcoming you to Theocast, where we encourage weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. We have conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and pastoral perspective. And if you're wondering what we try to do here at Theocast, other than just act a fool, <laughs> we are aiming to clarify the gospel and reclaim the purpose of the kingdom of Christ. That's and right. so we're going to aim to do that yet again today by having another conversation about a topic that I think is going to be interesting to many. But before we get to that, I want to introduce you to your hosts today. One of the hosts is John Moffat. He is the pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I'm Justin Purdue. I'm the pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Best and, intro uh, If this is your first time listening to Theocast, God bless you. <laughs> Go with him Probably, and be blessed. Might be. And uh, might yeah. be your first and last uh, time listening to this podcast, Shane. Shall we talk about Jesus? Nothing else here, see? Okay. That's how we talk. All so, right. John, <laughs> on the real. On tell, the real. Tell everybody what we're going to talk about. Yes. Well, before we do, a couple of announcements. If you're new and you'd like to be a part of more of what we do, we have a whole community based on this, and I'm hoping it's out by now. And if it's not, well, we're introducing it anyways. It's called Theocast Community, and it's a great way. Which, obviously, after listening to the two of us banter, you want to be a part of that, right? (laughs) That's right. If you want to go ask questions, be a part of great book recommendations, sermon recommendations, just a part of a community that loves resting in Christ confessionalism, law, gospel distinction. You have a question about the law and the gospel. The community is a place to do it. Just go to our website. You'll learn more about it. And uh, there's a bunch of stuff there. Book recommendations, um, church finder, all that good stuff. Justin, let's talk about what we came here to talk about. Uh, you know what? This is what this was a listener recommended. Uh, someone reached out and said, could you guys please talk about evangelism? And really? I thought about it. Yeah. So I thought about it and I put it on my to-do list and I thought, I'll talk to Justin about it. So as I started thinking about it, though, I've been teaching on over the last couple of years, I've been teaching on the kingdom of God, which is why we also started the kingdom podcast. And we're just now about to do some work on 
the spiritual nature of the kingdom, like kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, unseen realm. And as I started thinking about all of that, and Jesus, when he, you know, 40 days, he spent 40 days after his resurrection. And do you know what he did for 40 days? Acts 1-3 tells us he taught them the kingdom of God, which is interesting. It's talking about the kingdom of God. And, you know, I grew up in a Baptist, very fundamentalist Baptist, aggressive evangelistic background where, I mean, I couldn't do sports on Saturdays because we were out door knocking is what we called it. We'd go door to door, passing out tracks mm-hmm. every Saturday. And then I went to a college that you would get kicked out of the school if you didn't at least share the gospel with one unbeliever once a week on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand they had a massive passion for sharing sure. the gospel. The motivations we trust are good. Mm-hmm. But even that carries over to today. And there's a lot of street evangelism and street preaching and uh, what I would call a very aggressive style of evangelism where uh, you're going in to get a decision kind of immediately within within a few minutes of the conversation getting started. You know, Ray Comfort's are probably a good example of the most mm-hmm. famous of this. I remember when I was early, you know, in my early twenties, it was Ray Comfort and uh, Kirk Cameron had a show mm-hmm. about that where they go out and street evangelize and things like that. And if you're anyone who is remotely shy or, or quiet, it seems like you would rather, you know, <laughs> do anything else. And it makes you feel like you're a less Christian, a lesser Christian. Like, Oh, I guess I really don't care about the loss because I'm not willing to go out and do a street evangelism or, mm-hmm. you know, hand out tracks or start conversations with strangers that I've never met before. And in your mind then, well, I guess I'm never going to really understand what it feels like to evangelize. And so mm-hmm. this conversation is more about evangelism that is, and can be, and, and is a lot of people have come to Christ Amen. using yeah. that method, but it's not the only method. And I would, argue, and Justin and I are going to argue from the Bible, it may not be the primary method. We do hear Mm -hmm. from Jesus to go out into all the world and preach the gospels, making disciples, right? And baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, that's a very popular passage. But Justin, I'll ask you this question. Where else in scripture is the concept of evangelism in that way given to us? And my, I'll just save you some time. It's not, we don't really (laughs) have any other than the title evangelist. We don't have any other door-to-door style street preaching instructions given to us in the early church. But that doesn't mean we don't have instructions on evangelism because we do. We're going to talk about it. Effectively, our premise today is that contact evangelism... Mm-hmm. Of which, like street preaching is is a variety. When you say that, you have like contact sport, yeah. like football. what contact evangelism? <laughs> what that means is like this is the first time that I'm making contact with a person, right. and and for the sole purpose of right. I'm just going to go in on the gospel. So That's this right. could be street preaching. It could be handing out tracts. It could be you know you're sitting next to the person on the airplane or, yeah. or whatever. That's Seems contact like the evangelism. Most three popular one and yeah. one encounter. You know, and he, and it's one and done, and I'm going to trust the Lord with it. That, like you said, the Lord does a ton of good work through that kind of thing. And there are mm-hmm. some individuals who are very gifted at that. And we praise the Lord so. for all of it. So the point of our conversation today is not to dismiss that in any regard, but it's actually to encourage the church holistically mm-hmm. that that contact evangelism, street preaching, handing out tracts, et cetera, is not the only way of evangelism. And like John said, it actually may not be the primary way of wow. evangelism based upon the witness of the New Testament. So that's kind of part one of our conversation. And then when we get to part two, we, we're going to maybe kick around, okay, well, you guys have made a compelling case for this, but when I am around an unbeliever, what do I say? Like, what do I, what do I go in? Like when I have an opportunity through the building of a relationship or whatever, how do I think about engaging? 
So that's kind of part two. Anyway, John, let's look yeah. to the scriptures. What do you think? Yeah, before we do, let me set it up a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, what's been helpful for me is that I, I every day I'm trying to live, um, you know, we talk a lot about two kingdoms. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I naturally mm-hmm. live in the one kingdom I was born into. The second kingdom that Christ tells me about that I'm supposed to seek first every single day, mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn how to do that. And what's interesting about when you start having a kingdom mindset that, okay, I'm a part of this spiritual kingdom and that, that uh, those who are influenced by that kingdom are not only influenced by it and through it, through the means of proclaiming, uh, using a gospel track or the proclamation of the gospel. So we're going to make some arguments here that God is very concerned Jesus is very concerned, and the apostles are very concerned with how we conduct ourselves, believing that our conduct can and should be a light, be an aroma, be a means by which those who are around us are drawn towards the gospel message. Now listen, I'm going to say this now, no one is ever saved by lifestyle evangelism. Amen. Thank you. I was about to say, you know, it's sadly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I'm loath to think that he would have ever said it. You know, the the urban legend quote that share the gospel, use words if necessary, that is not at all what John and I believe. We understand (laughs) that the, the gospel inherently is the message of what Christ has accomplished. And so don't misunderstand us in that regard either. But, what we're going to be discussing is how we live in the common kingdom and how we love our neighbor, how we conduct ourselves is a significant piece of how we do evangelism. That's right. So we're going to use probably, you know, a very famous verse. Justin, if you want to start us with John 13, 34 and 35. John, I would be delighted to, you know, (laughs) so this is probably one of the most famous passages uh, of scripture. I use it often, but I, sorry, I thought you already had it open. I was going to, Oh brother, I'm good. No, I'm good. All right. I mean, Bible drill. It's always good to get a little bit of that <laughs> sword in. Sword drill, baby. Sword drill. Going sword fight today on Theocast. Amen. All right, here we go. John 13. I'm going to read verses 34 and 35. <clears throat> so this is Jesus to his disciples, you know, last night that he's on earth for his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Mm-hmm. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Key phrase. Here we go. The By one you this, just read is the key phrase. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. As I've loved you. And what does that mean? Well, he gave himself for Laid them. his life down. Laid right. his life down. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for the world. Oh, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Mm. So we're starting here because what a significant observation to make that the world will know that we are Christ's, not by how we love the world directly, but actually by how we love one another in the church. So as outsiders maybe come in to our communities, our local churches, as we get to know people in our communities, as we make friends, develop relationships, as we maybe go as groups of believers and hang out places, and people get, oh, you guys go to church together. Oh, okay. And they watch the way we live together. They watch the way we love one another, where we live lives of sacrifice, where we value our brothers and sisters even above ourselves in these ways, and we lay ourselves down for each other. We take care of each other. That's a compelling witness to the gospel, to the watching world. That's right. It's you're, it's saying um, disciple of, meaning that I live underneath the teaching of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so he's saying the world will see the application not. of yeah. my teaching by your love. And I'll even Amen. say this to everyone who's married. 
wife to husband, husband to wife, the way you love each other yeah. becomes a light so to the world. But we, so true. it's, 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 it's sad. And well, listen, this, this is the, Jesus never meant intended that to be, um, a painful verse to hear. No. He's no. saying, look to my love as I have loved you. Yeah. If you now love, love in return, the yeah. world will be influenced by it. Yeah. To me, that's like, I, I can take rest in that. Like, man, Amen. I'm going to work hard at loving my brother and my like, wife and my children so that the world will know that Jesus is significant. Mm -hmm. You know, I sometimes tell our people to try to encourage them. It's like, look, lives are changed one cup of coffee at a time. Mm. I say that to say this, like what you just said, how liberating is it to think that I can, for God's honor and the good of my neighbor, I can make an impact where I live by loving my spouse and my kids even start yeah. if I'm married and I have children. Like your primary neighbor, if you're married, is your spouse. Mm -hmm. Your next primary neighbors, if you have kids, are your kids. And like we can just start here. It's very simple. We tend to so overcomplicate and codify this thing where it's like, man, if I'm a, if I'm a loving spouse and a loving parent, and there's just some stability in my marriage and in my household, that's a compelling witness in and of itself. And right. then as we move out from there in spheres of moral proximity to our local churches, the ways that we love one another within the church is also a witness to people that would look on. And may we be, like you said, rather than feeling that as some kind of burden, may that liberate us and free us and encourage us that these things that we do on a regular basis anyway are used of the Lord to save that's his right. people. Well, you, you know? can, you know, Satan knows this verse. You know, because sometimes we act like he hasn't oh, read sure. the Bible. He's read it. And you know what the phrase is? I mean, he does quote scripture phrase. to Jesus. He does. In, this, in the temptation. Misquotes Eve too. Well, he twists uh, it. Sure. Twists yeah. it, yeah. So, you know what the phrase is? Justin, you've heard it. I've heard it. It seems like people outside the church treat people nicer than people inside the church do. Mm. Right? So, Satan knowing that love for one another. What does he get us to do? He gets us to bicker and fight, you know? He gets us to turn on each other. And this is why Paul said, these things should not be named among you guys. Like, this is the opposite of who Christ has called us yeah. to be. I have a you little know? I have a little anecdote that I'll tell later in the second half yeah. regarding that what you're just pointing out. Right. So another way Jesus said this was in Matthew chapter 5. Peter yeah, picks up on it as well. Yep. First um, so Peter Matthew, 12, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. And we'll have to explain maybe in a minute what light means, uh, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your mm -hmm. Father who is in heaven. Uh, Peter says the same thing in his own way this way, 1 Peter 2, 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Um, going back to what Jesus has said, let your light shine before others. Um, the way that the Bible contrasts the two kingdoms, you have the kingdom of mm -hmm. darkness, which is under the rule of Lucifer, Satan. He's yeah. the God of this world. First yeah. John 5 says the whole world is under the power of the evil one. It's called darkness, right? Sin it's also Colossians 1, darkness. kingdom of darkness right. into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right. right. And what are we described as? The kingdom of light. And mm -hmm. so if we're a part of it, which means when we reflect our king, and his kingdom, we become light in the kingdom of darkness. And mm -hmm. so he's saying your conduct, the way in which you act, right? And Justin, I think it's highly important right now that we explain what the kingdom of light and darkness is here because 
at times people think, oh, well, the pressure now is to live perfect. So, oh, I would rather live imperfect and evangelize than try and live perfect and think that's how God's going to save. No, no, no. People mm-hmm. of the kingdom of light are people of grace and mercy. Exactly. We're the first to forgive. We're the first yep. to ask for forgiveness. We're right. the first to show mercy. We're the first to ask for mercy. That's I am right. a failure. I am a wretch. The light is, hey, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. You're feeling guilty and shamed. So yeah. am I. You're, the difference you're a is, debtor to mercy. So am I. You're a debtor right. to grace. So am I. Right. Exactly. That's right. But the difference is, and I'm just going to go ahead and tie this in later, Justin, because it's already, well, I'll save it for later. But first Peter 3.15 explains when you show the light, mm-hmm. what is it you have to be ready to do? Exactly. And you that'll be, be a beautiful segue. Right. Yeah, to pair the yeah. hope. So there's, there's an, there is, um, there is an essence to me where I, mm-hmm. I get excited going, oh, Okay, when I'm gracious to people, God says that, that that's a light. When I am patient with people, God says well, that's a light. When I ask for forgiveness, right? when I confess to someone I've done wrong, when I've gone to them and said, hey, I've done wrong yeah. to you, and I want to make that right, God says that's a light mm-hmm. in that I am pointing people to God by the way in which I'm conducting myself. No, amen. And we should be encouraged, like you just said, by by that reality, that as yeah. we go about in the community, we go to the establishments that we frequent, we we shop at the store, we do all the things, it, as much as you're able, as you, as you generate relationships, as you remember somebody's name, as you go to restaurants and you're kind to servers and you tip well and you do all these things and you just ask thoughtful questions like, how are you doing? And you live that way over the course of years and decades, it bears a lot of fruit. And when people find out, oh, you're a Christian, or I know for you and I, John, we kind of have that unique yeah. thing oh, where somebody finds out like, oh, you're a pastor? Mm-hmm. Really? Like, yep. And I, I receive it as a compliment often when people are like, you're a pastor, really? Because their, <laughs> their perception, at least in the city where I am, yeah, right, the perception of Christians and certainly of pastors is that we are like to be feared and we're kind of like bigoted, uh, mean people, Unkind. like mean-spirited, right. uncharitable people. And it's like, well, you've been kind to me and I like you and like you're all your friends from your church. Like you guys are normal and like you're, you're kind and people are kind of struck by that. Uh, And it, it wins a hearing, which we're going to speak to in a, in a minute, but it also glorifies and honors God. It, it, it adorns our profession of faith in Christ. Why don't we look to second Corinthians two? Absolutely. I love this. Love this verse. I quote it all the time. Second Corinthians 2, 15 through 17. I'm just going to read them real quick and then we can comment. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Really <laughs> good stuff. John, go ahead. I, and then I'll pick Yeah. The, it's like, because who we represent, like we wear Christ, we are in Christ. His oh. name, I said this in last week's podcast, his name, spirit, uh-huh. son, father, spoken over us as accepted. Mm-hmm. We accept you. You're in our name. That, that means that we carry that. And to the ones who are being saved, it means mm-hmm. God's drawing them to our 
himself. Our life becomes this aroma that draws people in. You know, it's like when you walk through the door at home and you're like drawn to the kitchen because you Mm -hmm. can smell the pot roast, you know, Mm -hmm. on Sunday afternoon. Like that aroma that draws, that's what he's saying. It's like what comes out of our mouth, what comes out Mm -hmm. of our life is this drawing aroma towards people. And for those who reject Christ and those who don't want Christ, it says it's from death unto death. But that's not up to us. Like That's not up to us at all. That is not our responsibility because sometimes we can feel the responsibility, like, oh, it's our fault. People are going to hell. Well, not necessarily because um, um, Jesus himself preached the gospel to people Mm -hmm. who never believed, and so did Paul. Our responsibility is to reflect Christ in every way that we can, and Mm -hmm. we allow God's work to do his work. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, for me, I I gain so much confidence because, Justin, there are times I really do long to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. I really do. I want to sit down and be the person who plants the first seed. And you know what this tells me? The, all of these verses so far, seeds are planted by what people smell coming from us. This True. aroma of Christ might be what fertilizes the ground first mm-hmm. before the seed is planted. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, We wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Yeah, I agree completely on the aroma part. I'm not going to add to what you just said. I I love verse 17, too, the way he wraps it up. It's like we're not peddlers of God's word. Like (laughs) there's no there's no ulterior motive here. No. uh, Or anything like that. But we're sincerely as commissioned by God, like we speak in Christ. And and I would add to it based on things that Paul writes elsewhere. We speak in him and we speak of him. Not only do we is there the aroma of Christ about us, like Christ is on our lips and he is what we say. When it comes to this question of what we, how we engage sinners, which is where we're going to go now, First Peter three, fifteen and sixteen, we can look to that, and then we're going to yeah. talk more pointedly even about all right. Well, when we when we do encounter the non Christian, how do we talk? So, John, why don't you look to yeah. First Peter three? Yep. Yeah, very famous verse. Most of you may have already known this, but we'll read it. So just kind of know that it's on the heels mm-hmm. of a keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, First Peter 2, 12, the next chapter, First Peter 3, 15. But in and your even, hearts— even suffering ahead. unjustly, you know, right. too. Yep. Right. Suffering for righteousness' sake. But in your hearts, verse 15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense— to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And I love this. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Yeah. You know, do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I think there's a couple of applications. I'll make one and, and I'll throw it back over to you. First of all, he's saying that your life will draw the question. Mm-hmm. What hope is that? Like you live in a way, like even Paul says this, um, we don't we don't mourn like other people mourn mm-hmm. when someone dies, right? There's mm-hmm. a hope that we have beyond the grave. So mm-hmm. people will look at your life if if Christ is your hope and Christ is your life and you're living for the for the kingdom and his king and the king, they're gonna go, you gotta tell me about that. Mm-hmm. You got to tell me about what what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. And to me, that brings a lot of encouragement saying, hey, listen, 
my, I love this. Um, uh, we didn't put this verse in here. I'll let you talk, Justin. I'll go find it. But uh, Paul says, don't be discouraged that your life that you suffer for the sake of Christ is in vain because it's mm-hmm. not. Like, well, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Yeah, thank you. Like your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Yeah. So as we labor to love and to be charitable and to be kind and and care for those around us, God mm-hmm. says it's kind of like the word of God does not return void. He's exactly. saying your good acts are not in vain. Well, and that's all tethered to the promise of the resurrection. Like all that's of right. this is like Jesus got up from the dead. We will one day too. And death is going to be conquered. And so remember that all of your toil and your labor is not in vain. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's interesting, too, the context for going back to 1 Peter 3. The context there is suffering for righteousness sake or suffering mm-hmm. unjustly, too, mm-hmm. um, like most immediately. So there's something about, like you said, I think it's appropriate to apply this to our conduct in general. There's a way in which we can live and conduct ourselves amongst unbelievers in the common kingdom of the world that would cause them to ask us like, all right, now tell me about that hope you have because it's different. Uh, But in particular, it seems that when we are suffering and when we encounter like harm and hatred, even for the sake of Christ's name, uh, that is a pointed opportunity for us. Like you, I think your, your illustration even of, of, you know, not grieving like the world grieves is a, is a good opportunity, but Mm -hmm. Think about America. Like I could riff about this and I probably will say more about this later and I'm trying not to just get us shot at from every angle, but (laughs) it's funny how it seems like the project of Christians in America right now is to seek to have power in such a way that we would never encounter this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But yet it seems that in the scriptures, the the church is a counterculture. That's an assumption. And that when we are, are persecuted, when we're mocked, when we're ridiculed because of Christ and because of what we believe about him and what we believe about his law, et cetera, there is a great opportunity there for us to demonstrate and give a reason for our hope that we have in Jesus. And yeah, may that be a lesson to us all as we live in a society that is increasingly hostile to us. That's right. Like, man, we've got opportunities left and right to live in a way that, that adorns our profession of faith, that is a compelling witness to the to the gospel and the power of Christ to save. And then we have opportunity to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, why he says, you're going to need to do this with gentleness and respect because uh, if you're what being a, what a word that is. Yeah. If you're being attacked and they're like, hey, so why are you not reviling? Right. Like, why are right. you, why are you, why are you responding this? with kindness? You know, yeah. too. And so he's like, listen, give the answer of your hope. You do it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And man, you know, I've seen a lot of apologetic ministries that are out there. And at Bro. times I, you know, I just feel like that, that that's the part that's gone. You know, the gentleness read, side of it. Read the blogs, get on Christian social media and it isn't gentle and respectful. Well, and that's the other thing, you know, you know listen, I think a good healthy debate and disagreement is, is iron sharpening iron. That's fine. But man, some of the stuff that happens on there, I'm like, well, unbelievers well, don't look at what happens on Twitter and go, wow, you guys are Jesus disciples. They go, right. Well, yeah. Mean. Not only are we not loving each other because it was like an in, intramural food fight, but then in addition, there is the, the way that, that Christians, and again, I'm thinking about a lot of the, the folks that, that are advocates of a kind of Christian nationalism or something mm-hmm. like the way that those those saints, I trust there are brothers and sisters in the Lord, the way that they write about the world and about unbelievers is anything but gentle and respectful. No. It is very it's reviling, it's it's punchy, it's it is almost kind of like a mocking and a ridiculing in return. And uh, no. that's not winsome. No. And again, there's much that could be said, and that's a huge conversation, I understand, but this is instructive for us. 
sometimes I've said this before, John, you know, sometimes people like, especially guys, I'm saying guys, guys in discernment ministries and uh, that just are, you know, stand on the wall types and we're just going to mow everything down. That's not orthodox or uh, that's not sound. And we're going to expose the errors of, of the society and the civil government and the culture. And then they, they, they wear it as a badge of honor that they're hated. It's like people hate me. People hate me because I'm standing for the truth. And it's like, well, bro, that may be possible, but they might, they might hate you because you are an abject jerk. You know, I mean that, like, have you thought about that? Like maybe you are just an absolute jerk of a human being in the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you write and speak of other people. And maybe that has something to do with why they don't like you. It's not just what you're saying. Yeah. We should be reviled for what we're standing for, not how we stood for it. Very good. Very good. And I say that all the time. If someone, you know, um, my wife and I have this conversation with each other and our children and I'll, and I'll tell my kids, I'm like, guys, listen, what you said is not wrong. It's how you said it to each other. You know, it's the attitude. It was the condescending snark that you put in there that wasn't helpful. Like no one felt loved and like corrected. No one's able to receive that, you know? No. And this is why it's like, we don't like this verse, but speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. wasn't an option. It was a command. You know, we talk about obeying the law. <laughs> there is, I'm like, hey, that's not optional. You know, you are to speak the truth of what liberates people from their sin, but you always do it in love. If, you're, if you don't do it in love, you know what you're doing? It in self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Total condemnation and self-righteousness. No, that's right. And so when it says gentleness, it literally means thinking about how the other person is going to hear this. Now, Justin, sometimes when people hear me say this, man, the stuff that people say about us on YouTube and on blogs, it, it's really weird. Gentleness, <laughs> like <laughs> gentleness doesn't weird is one way you to put back it. Yeah. down. You know, listen, yeah. I think, you know, I preached this Sunday. I said, listen, the world, the world treats truth like it's mutable and that it's subjective, and that it's based on consensus. And because of that, abortion and homosexuality and changing people's way they were born, is that's true. They're like, live your truth. Mm-hmm. And I look at that, and I said as with as much compassion as I can, is that Satan has blinded the eyes. Literally, sure. First John 5, he's blinded sure. the eyes of the unbeliever. And truth is not mutable. It is not subjective, and it's not based right. on consensus. Um, this is why Romans 1, 22 through 24, six exists because God's saying, I gave them over to their own truth. He calls it their own wisdom. Oh, yeah. I gave them well, over to their own truth and mm-hmm. look what it produced. Sure. I mean, now I stood for God fully. I did not back down. Mm-hmm. I am not saying abortion is okay. I'm not waffling mm-hmm. on that, but you can say it in such a way where the person hearing it is saying, Hey, you may have been taught yeah. a lie, like live your truth is right. actually a lie. Right, exactly. It's not I mean, truth. We, I, we've said it many times. I mean, the religion of our day is effectively this, like look within, mm-hmm. find the truth that exists there, run as hard after that as you can and don't let anybody tell you no. Yeah. I mean, that that's, well, doing that's the what ethos you, and the methodology. Right, doing of, what feels good exactly. is truth. It's your yeah. truth that you find inside of you. All right. Let's right. pivot slightly. We, we've yeah. got a, a little bit of time left. Yep. So, First Peter 3 is a good segue, right? Because yeah. we're having conversations with unbelieving people who want to know the reason for the hope we have. So what do we say when we actually have gained the hearing, when we are given the opportunity by God to speak to a person, to a friend, to a coworker, to an acquaintance, and they don't trust Christ? Mm -hmm. 
we had a good conversation after an elders meeting recently. We were smoking cigars together and one of our elders was like, hey guys, how do you engage? How do you engage, you know, unbelievers? Like when you have opportunity, what do you say? Like, what are the things in your mind that you want to be sure to communicate? Yeah. And I thought it was a wonderful question. And we had a, we had a sweet time interacting over it. And the way that we began to talk about it was, well, kind of the conversation we have there is sort of how we welcome people to church every Sunday. And what do we do? Well, we, we explode any notion of our own righteousness, any confidence that we would have in our own goodness or our own virtue as though mm-hmm. we could offer something to God on the basis of which he would show us his favor. Like this is how we understand our condition as fallen humans. And this is how we understand the standard of the law spiritually. So we start with that. And then we herald and extol Christ as our only hope, as the one who has stood in our place and took our punishment, made satisfaction for our sins, as the one who represented us and is our righteousness. And we're completely hoping in him. It actually has nothing to do with anything that we contribute, anything that we do, anything that we might be able to do, anything that we have done, none of that. It's Christ only. And that's what it means to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I say it, I begin with that, John, because just to illustrate this, I occasionally have opportunities to speak to groups of high school students here in the the region, in the area. And when I go, and typically I'm speaking to groups of high school students who are believers. It's, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like the Fellowship Christian Athletes or something, because I I used to be an athlete, so I'll get asked to come speak. And I'll go to some high school FCA thing. And most of these kids mean to trust Christ. They go to church, whatever. And I'll, if I've not spoken to this group of kids before, I usually will begin with something like this. All right, friends, how is it amongst your peers, how is it that you think Christianity is most misunderstood? And to a person, Mm. pretty much, I mean, 95 plus percent of the answers are, are something like this. Well, they think that Christianity is about what we do. Or Christianity is about your stance on moral issues. Like those are the, those are the two things that I always hear. And so in my mind, I've got that in, I've got that there. And I'm thinking, I want to explode that (laughs) when I have the conversation with the non-believer in my, in my area that I know that I've, for whatever way, I want to blow up any idea that being a Christian has anything to do with what I do in order to gain favor with God or what even like my stance on issues so that God might approve of me. I'm going to blow it up. And then I'm going to herald the fact that what makes me a believer is that I understand I'm not worthy, never could be, and that Christ alone is. And he's all I got. I've I've casting myself on him completely. And that's what it means to be a believer. Let's talk about that. So that's where we start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Justin, I think um, this is really, it's a hard transition for people. Um, but, you know, I wake up with a lot of confidence. You know, Justin, and you, you and I, we just don't get to talk to a lot of unbelievers. And that's one of the hard. hard things about being a pastor yeah. is that you've actually been pulled back from the front lines. Yeah. And you're equipping people who live on the front lines. That's, that's what right. you do as a pastor. Yeah. You know, and I try and find ways to to engage, you know, um, sure. through, you know, sports, golf. Activities. Uh, same. Activities. Same. I got invited to a, a, a Spring Hill group of men. It's just a group of guys that get together, 250 of them. And uh, so I'm going to be going to that because yep. I, I just don't have opportunities to build relationships mm-hmm. with unbelievers. I know that you and some of your men have been doing the same thing. And so, sure. you know, there's, um, 
you know, you know, the whole Jesus friend of sinners thing is often used. And I know we had talked about this beforehand as if somehow Jesus just approved of the debauchery that was in the culture. Right. That's not what we're saying. That's not but, the point. But Jesus. But sinners were drawn be, to him. They were drawn to him. Yeah. And Jesus actually, sinners wouldn't be drawn to Jesus if he didn't put himself in a position where they could see him and do that. Right. And the and, sinners and who were drawn to him. to him were the ones who knew they didn't have righteousness. That's right. You know? And so I gain a lot of confidence thinking about, all right, if, if we've been wrecked by the gospel, we understand our position as the man in the temple who's beating his chest saying, Lord, yeah, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Yeah, if that's yeah. our position around mm-hmm. sinners, then it it's different. They're not, there's not going to be a judgmentalism. There's going to be, there's, there's this, like, I love the, I said, it's a sweet aroma, right? Yeah. It's the, it's like, there's something about you that intrigues me that I, mm-hmm. I need to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's your affection for something that it's different. And this is why the gathered church for me, the gathered church is so powerful mm-hmm. because Justin, we come and we're renewed and refreshed in what we're here for. Right, mm-hmm. man, Justin, Amen. What does he say? Lay up treasures where? Not here. Like yeah. anything you pursue here, like the world pursues everything here. Sure. It's like, you know, their motto is uh, you only live once. So, you know, yeah. live it hard. Which and makes sense, man, if you don't believe. That's right. It's like, so they lay up all their treasures. We die. Here. I mean, that's right. Yeah. And Jesus says, no, you only, you only die once and then you live. She's yeah. like, so get death. Like death is going to be inevitable, but then you live. Like you live. And so he says, let tre- uh, store up treasures in heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it can't be destroyed. So mm-hmm. what happens is we become like everything of everything we own becomes expendable. Our life becomes expendable. And we live that way around people. We're just generous. We just give away yeah. because we have nothing to lose. If you've gained everything and it's all stored away for you, and that's where your heart is. So you can wake up every day going, Yes, as crazy as it may sound, a smile may be what God uses to draw mm-hmm. someone into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. A, a, a sacrificial gesture, giving a parking spot. Oh man, you guys are being so weak. This isn't being weak. It's taking every opportunity God puts mm-hmm. in front of me and goes, I'm going to express what love for Christ looks like yeah. in every way I can. And, I, and when I don't do it, I'm going to ask them to forgive sure. me. I should sure. have loved you better. Sure. I agree wholeheartedly, John. For the sake of time, I'm going to, I'm going to, tell an anecdote that I yeah. mentioned I would earlier because yeah. you were talking about how sadly this is the case. Many people who maybe have gone to church at some point in their lives or whatever, and they're, they're but they're not believers. And one of the things that they may raise is, well, you know, I've, I've been in the church and it's, it's kind of a, a dumpster fire, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a food fight in there and it's just a, it's a pit of vipers, man. Yeah. Right. So this is not my own anecdote. I'm not going to take credit for it. So uh, Mark Dever used to tell this regularly, but I think it's very apt for what we're talking about right now. Because Mark came to faith like as a teenager, he'd been an agnostic. He had a lot of unbelieving family and came from, I mean, was around people who were, you know, intellectuals in ways, thoughtful, whatever. So he tells a story about engaging. uh, It was either a family friend or a family member. It doesn't matter because he'd become a Christian. And this is not, he did not accrue social capital, you know, with this person by becoming a believer. And so the, the conversation is something like, yeah, you know, th- this other individual was saying to Mark, uh, man, the church is, the church is just a, a pit of vipers. I got no interest in this. And Mark was like, well, actually, I agree with you. Uh, he said, the difference between the world and the church is not that the church is not a pit of vipers. 
and the world, you know, is it's safe. Like, it, right. Or whatever. It's like, it's not that the, it's not that the church, that the world's a pit of vipers and the church isn't. He said, the difference between the church and the world is that we actually know that we're vipers. So slither on in anytime and join us. That's what he said. I was like, that's beautiful because like, like that, but that's the posture. That's right. You know, even in thinking about engaging non-believers is like, yeah, the difference between believers and unbelievers is that we know what we are. We've right. agreed with God. Like we know that we're vipers. We know that we've got nothing to contribute. So slither on in and join us anytime because mercy and forgiveness and absolution and righteousness are to be found here. Right. And we have life here, you know, and it's not us. It's Christ for us. That's right. And we would love to talk to you about that and, and tell you more about him. Yeah. And that well, sadly is not how many Christians engage, you know? It's not. And there's yeah. the opposite side of that, of the people who they see themselves on the other end of that. Well, I I can't go to church because I'm so bad. I, I would be embarrassed. Said, Take a number there. and get in line. And you know, right. And you know what? The way. answer to that is, oh, I think you'd be far more surprised how worse people are than you. Exactly. <laughs> and I think exactly. you're far worse than you actually think you are. Exactly. And people kind of look at you. I remember when I worked for Apple, uh, this guy comes up and he's like, he's like, yeah, man, John, I just have so much respect for you. I was like, okay, why? He mm. goes, it just, you're just a good guy. And I just laughed. He was like, why are you laughing? I said, brother, you have no idea how bad I am. He goes, exactly. why do you say that? I said, how about you and I grab lunch? We're selling exactly. computers right now, there but when go. we're done. There you go. And I got done and I explained, he goes, you really think that way about yourself? I said, well, that's the way God thinks about me. And it's more important what he thinks about me than what you think about me because you don't actually see my heart. Can you see my heart? He's like, no. I said, but God does. And you could see it all over his face. Like he wasn't losing respect, but he was very interested in going, well, tell me about this perspective right. of God because I've not heard this perspective right. of God before. It was a really refreshing moment where the first time it was like someone who thought I was a good person realized I wasn't a good person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the aroma comes out. Like if we don't want people to be like, oh, he's he's good people. That, that's not what I'm trying to say. No. It's not he's no. good people. It's he treats people differently. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm interested in knowing why. Mm -hmm. Why do you treat people differently than other people? So, Or even when he's treated poorly, uh, maybe even because he's a, he's a Christian, he, he meets sin, he meets wrong with kindness. And That's what's right. going on with that, you know? Yeah, yeah this, it's a good conversation, brother. We're going to wrap this thing up. And normally we, we pivot to SR. I don't even know what to do with myself right now. Uh, that, well, so just a reminder this, to everyone. I'll say Go this, ahead, John. Yeah. I'll say this. If this was helpful and you have additional thoughts or questions, come on over to the community. That's yeah. what it's for. It's and an there's online a forum community. There. Everyone yeah. is invited. Come on over. And if you like what we're doing, there's an opportunity for you to support us. If you like, right. but everyone's invited, get, come on over. And, and you'll have access to other content, teaching that That's we've right. done, et cetera. So we hope this has been an encouraging conversation for you in thinking about how you as an ordinary Christian can be used of God in evangelism in the area where you live. And I know it's been a helpful conversation for me, John. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, same and here. I am encouraged to think that I'm just going to continue loving my neighbor. And just to encourage us all out there, evangelism is simply a subset of loving your neighbor. So that's right. Yep. Look Maybe to the love Christ of God. Do that. Yep. We love because he first loved us. Amen. We'll talk again next week. Welcome please, to, do, please do welcome this. Welcome to Theocast. Well, welcome to Theocast. Please do it. It'll be great. We're going to talk about evangelism. See? <laughs>